0: Hello and welcome to Cinema to the Letter. This episode, it's that new film known as Skinemarink. cinema to the letter we break down the very nature of cinema letter by letter for each episode of a film miniseries topic we cover six films that fit a c for classic i for indie n for new e for egregious m for masterpiece and a for atypical who doesn't love an acronym am i right i am thomas and i I apologize if the acoustics are a bit weird i'm recording this episode from the ceiling it's a long story (laughs) um but you know i think it'll still work out as long as nothing falls and I think, you know, based on uh, past events, I don't think it'll fall. It'll just stay there permanently.
1: Uh, hi, I'm Drew, and uh, I'm scared, because <laughs> this is this is a really scary movie, let me tell you.
0: Right, we, we should comment that, uh, if you're, for those of you listening, um, we both have skinmarink inspired uh, Zoom backgrounds. I have the TV set, Glowing in Terror, Yep. and uh, Brian has a happy field with a rainbow, and... Watermarks yep, to a, indicate that he didn't pay for this image. There's
1: a sun. There's a little rainbow. I, I wanted to find a sun that had like a little smiley face on it, but I you couldn't didn't really find go full one. Teletubbies, though. I, I, that's what I was hoping to do.
0: I just couldn't find like a, the perfect one, but right. yeah. Uh, but welcome everyone uh, to this episode uh, where we're talking about our N for new in our miniseries run here for spooky stuff, and we're talking about Skin and Marink, a very new film that came out back in January. Um, But before we get into that movie, we haven't talked about this really that much, despite we're about, we're going to be reaching halfway through the miniseries by the end of this episode. Brian, what scares you? What scares you in horror movies? Are you often scared by horror, especially of the newer variety? Not
1: really, to be honest. I'm not really, I, I don't get scared by movies that often. But sometimes a movie comes along And so, I guess what scares me in movies really is, I guess, is this, right? The sort of... We talked about it last season when we did the Blair Witch Project, that, like, just the feeling of something being in the dark. And there may be nothing, but there could be something. And that is, like, just terrifying to me. And this is sort of one of the things that scares me, like, the most (laughs) in, like, not just in movies, in life, Um, yeah. This is. I mean, it 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 is mainly stuff like this. Um, a movie I kind of watched pretty recently that kind of did a similar thing was um, Sinister. Is that the one, the Scott Derrickson one with uh Ethan Hawke? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That has a lot of like Ethan Hawke, you know, walking around his house and it's dark and that it's very scary to me. Um, yeah. That that is what I find so scary. What 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 do you find? What scares you in horror movies? I'm very curious.
0: What's the thing, because, like, we, we both have this mutual background that we were both scaredy-cats as children. Um, yes. And then went back on the horror train, especially me. I went very hard on the horror range of things. Yes. And especially when I, you know, I have a history where, like, the first bit of podcasting I did was a lot of, like, horror-related podcasts. So I watched a lot of horror movies. And especially right. when you do something like that, you often get jaded. And I've seen that a lot, especially in sort of, like, horror fan communities. It's just like, oh, this isn't that scary. Oh, this, like, especially when a movie gets hyped up a lot around, like, festivals, like, maybe, say, I don't know the movie we're talking about today, horror fans tend to get very defensive, and I've even been guilty of that to some extent, especially when I was younger, of just like, oh, let's see how scary this is, buddy, yeah, sure, well, that wasn't that scary, but, like, oftentimes, when I watch a horror movie, I kind of forgive, like, look, I haven't really been that scared by a horror movie in a while, like, I'm not expecting every horror movie to, like, make me shiver, in my bones as much as like, is there interesting atmosphere, practical effects, even, you know, just the stuff that like really works for the sort of horror fiend in me. Um, but I remember, you know, when I was younger, it was a lot of what skin and Merink is feeding on, which is just like that sense of the unknown of the dark and what lies yeah. there. And especially when you're sort of in an innocent point where you don't really know what's going on that. There's that whole thing where like, I remember so vividly of the, the blockbuster era where, like, I would never go past that horror section or lest I see some terrifying things. Like, there's a movie called Jack Frost, which is about a killer snowman. And specifically, <laughs> the cover art is of um, the snowman initially looking like a snowman, but then it's holographic because it was the late 90s. So if you walk cool. past it, he turned into a scary snowman. And I was, like, terrified by that, just incongenable. Like, what could possibly be here? And then, you know, about a yeah. decade or so later, I saw <laughs> Jack Frost, and that movie sucks, it's not scary at all.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the poster right now, and I could see, is it where he looks like a skull, kind of, and he's got right. like, green eyes? Yes. Yeah, this is, I, I, if I was walking past this, I would, I would think it was scary. Um, well, especially
0: if it transformed from, like, Happy Snowman to that, Yeah, graphics graphic stuff.
1: Now I'm also seeing a poster here for Jack Frost 2: The Revenge of the Mutant Killer Snowman. And this poster is very fun. He's got like a he's got sunglasses up here above like on his forehead. Right. Um he's got like a what would you call that? The sort of like Hawaiian like Oh, the lei. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's yes. got one of
0: those um <laughs> but yes. Um but th- that often happens, right? Where, like, you would see... Like, your imagination as a child conjures up so much other stuff than ultimately what the filmmakers even had in mind. Yes. I, I like,
1: Yeah, I, a similar experience I had, I guess, was um, I, I remember I had seen this horror movie that was... I knew it was a Halloween movie, like the, the Michael Myers franchise. Right. And there is this shot in one of them of, uh, like, a hospital. And you see sort of the from the perspective of inside looking outside the window and like Michael Myers is just standing there in like the field and I saw that as a kid and it was the most terrifying thing in the world to me and then flash forward to like a few months ago I'm watching all of the Halloween movies and that shot is in Halloween 5 which is a (laughs) awful movie
0: the most terrifying one though clearly so spooky
1: yeah, but does that funny thing of, yeah, when you're a kid, you're like, this is so terrifying, and then you're an adult, and it's, it's ridiculous, and it's so, so silly.
0: Right, um, especially remember that a lot in terms of, like, the, which is very important to this particular movie, sort of the channel surfing, when, like, you're sure. like flipping their channels, mm-hmm. and like, all of a sudden, oh, something spooky, and you just yep. imagine, especially, like, I remember when I was a kid, I saw this horrific, sort of, like, small creature kind of thing that, like, upset me, which is, like, it was, and I ended up being the first leprechaun. Which, okay. when it's little, right. like that work Davis makeup, it's terrifying, it's horrible. And then when you watch the full Leprechaun movie, it's like, this is the most ridiculous bullshit that <laughs> nothing could ever. <laughs> like, it, it never really feels like your imagination is on par with like, what a lot of these like, sort of trashier horror directors make. But I feel like that's a bit different with uh, Skin and Marink here, which you might as well get into. Here's a bit of the trailer for Skin and Marink.
1: In this house, in this house. House.
0: So Skinner Inc, uh came out earlier this year, January 13th, 2023. Though it had some festival screenings, which is very key uh to sort of the, the success of this film. Uh from yeah. writer director uh, Kyle Edward Ball. And uh, if you don't know what this movie is, um, it might be a bit hard to describe it because <laughs> it's not a traditional narrative to any degree. This is very—I'm very curious how this discussion will go because this is definitely the most experimental and weird movie we've covered in terms yeah. of like. There's not a very thorough plot. There's a closed line of a plot, uh, but then the Kinda. sequence, <laughs> yes, but then the sequence of events are definitely very much. Uh, it's a lot of these uh, two kids who are sort of our protagonists, uh, Kevin and Kaylee, um, who are in this house in 1995, um, and they're roughly like between the ages of three and six, I uh, think. I think one
1: of them is four, one of them is six, I think, is okay. what, what right. it says in the... Yeah.
0: Right. So um, we mainly see a lot through their perspective, where at the very beginning, there's indication that, like, oh, Kevin, like, fell and had an incident, and his father's on the phone with somebody... And then, uh, the next day, uh, he has left the house and their mother is also missing, not in the picture for some reason. Um, and then while these kids are hanging around the house by themselves, um, it seems like there's some sort of entity that's there with them that ends up, uh, making the windows and doors disappear to the outside. So these kids are just kind of like living on their own, uh, as they, you know, can't go outside, can't get any kind of help. Um, and there's something there saying things to them and they don't want to go upstairs. They want to stay downstairs with the TV. Yeah. Um, and all the whole time they're watching
1: old, like Fleischer cartoons on the TV. Public domain Um, stuff. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. And what, what none of that description I think like gives you though is how weird this movie is made and how it looks and how it feels, I mean, like it is—it is kind of made to look like that sort of fuzzy analog, nineties like,
0: uh, uh, what would you call that? Like, uh, well, I mean, there's like artificial film grain, which I would argue even is yeah, trying yeah. to make it look a bit older than the nineties. It feels very much right. like, yeah. sort of, you know, you picked up a cursed tape. Yeah, like a, yeah, it. more of a tape. Yes,
1: right. um but but so much of, i think the movie is steeped in like
0: 90s stuff like you know the tv is a very 90s looking tv it's got the it's the big boxy kind of thing not flat screen kids back in the day we needed more junk in the trunk for our televisions in order for them to
1: yes leak. it's a it's a very cool looking like crt tv yeah but just the the rhythm of this thing the editing of it and just the way it looks is So bizarre. I I mean, how do you, like, how would you describe the, the sort of,
0: the rhythm of this thing? Um, building dread? Just (laughs) pure building of dread on a sensory level. I think that's the big thing is that this feels kind of like, if you can remember, like, to sort of, like, around that age, like, three or four, when you start getting your first kind of, like, permanent memories, and just that feeling where, like, you know this place is your house, and you know during the day, like, your parents walk around there, and your sister's, like, going over to the kitchen, all that other stuff. You eat in that kitchen. You watch TV here in the living room. You go upstairs and go to bed. You know all that stuff is, like, here, but then when the dark hits it, your imagination runs wild, and you're unsure of, like, what's going on. So it very much feels like it's, like, built from that perspective, and it feels oddly sort of like both impersonal and hugely personal at the same time because we're kind of objective observers and we don't ever see these. Well, we do see one of their faces at one point. Um, like <laughs> half
1: of it. It's like from like the the side. Well, no, I mean no. There's another or, one where we see their face, oh, well, okay.
0: but it's a bit different. Some things have been <sighs> oh my god. <laughs> um, But uh, yeah, so you don't really see the kids that much yet. They're our protagonists, and it's right. it's this weird kind of thing where we should mention this movie was made on in such fascinating terms where its budget is fifteen thousand dollars yep um Mm -hmm. and kyle edward ball shot this all in his childhood home in canada like we say it's digital but also it kind of has sort of the feel almost like a closed circuit tv thing where the camera like go from one side to the other or the way it moves (laughs) it feels kind of mechanical but also at the same time like it's very intimate In its own weird way. Yeah, there are times when you get shots like
1: that where it moves like a, yeah, like that left to right sort of thing. And then there's times where he will focus on, like, a corner for, like, what feels like an eternity. (laughs) And then there are are shots in it that are, like, handheld, you know, like, POV shots. But most of the movie is, like, a still shot of, like, a hallway or like a door or a part of a wall and it's just that and yet there is such a palpable like tension obviously and there's such a like a creepiness to it but this movie it has a bit of a vibe going for it i will say is what you know kids would call a vibes moving I, I mean i think so because as much as this movie i think is very like giving you that feeling of like there might be something right there in front of you in the dark that you can't see and it's even kind of like showing you a dark hallway and almost like it's almost like the movie's inviting you to like lean forward and like to try and see if there's something there and you get those moments where you're of of kind of full dread where like you know something is clearly happening things are you know going bad but then there's a lot of moments of like almost a calm dread I would call it where like things are very calm and very like, you know, everything's settled, but there is like something's out there and it's a weird kind of almost a coziness. I think where like, I find myself kind of getting into the mood of like this fucking oppressive, like dark movie.
0: You put on a sweater, had a cocoa. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah but like yeah it, it's a very interesting weird uh sensorial experience that this, i had with this movie
0: right a big reason why i kind of wanted to cover this movie is that um it is extremely divisive um, yes people either kind of love or hey we even uh our guest last week adam talked about how he did not like the movie necessarily <laughs> yes scene, yeah. which i've noticed especially a lot of sort of like older folks are just like you know not to be ageist to any degree, but it feels like a lot of older people like I don't know what the kids are so obsessed about because the big thing about this movie was that uh, because it was it premiered at Fantasia and a couple other places, mm-hmm. and there was a weird error when they were putting out like screeners for critics that allowed the movie to be online briefly, um, yep. and visible to everybody, and got like downloaded and a lot of it, like passed around on especially TikTok clips were shown. Ah uh, like, yes, some of the, the TikTok, the TikToks, <laughs> yes, uh, and so the the youths. Where immediately just like, oh, I gotta see this, I gotta see this. And I saw this in its weird theatrical run, uh, earlier this year, which we should mention God. was like for a week, roughly, for some reason. I, I
1: could not imagine seeing this in a the theater. Like, genuinely. I, I... Right. <laughs> Couldn't like pause it and I, like, yes, yeah, I would be yet. it would be just so bad for i would be having a panic attack in the corner
0: like <laughs> well it's interesting because like when i went and saw this it was definitely just like a, oh shit it's playing here i, I better because it's only for a week i better go see it and Sure. It yeah. Was in one of the smaller theaters at our local theater and meaningly it was like half packed which i was surprised by honestly hmm. okay getting, which we should mention like this movie costing fifteen thousand dollars made two million dollars in that weekend which isn't pretty good that's yeah. a really good return on investment yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so I was in that audience and people seemed hype, especially there was a whole row that was full of like these young 20 somethings who looked like, yeah, we're about to get scared. We, like they, we've seen the TikToks. We're very excited to see like this whole movie. And right. there was this weird thing where that crowd clearly did not like the movie. They weren't like being over like, this is bullshit. Boo hiss. Right. Like, right. Just the vibe. You could tell that people were kind of like. Looking around, kind of like what's happening? Are we gonna get something at some point? um, and they and by the end of it, um, they were all like they kind of left in a disappointed mood. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm in the back corner <laughs> terrified. <laughs> I can't emphasize enough how Skinnermerrink just got to me on a weird sort of like lizard brain terror level because. Um, I don't know, I guess, I don't know how many of the kids these days can relate to this, but I have very early memories of being young, not having a TV in my room, so I wanted to sneak in and watch some, like, late cartoons on, like, Cartoon Network or something. So Uh I had to make that trek from, like, my bedroom, like, all the way in the back of my childhood home, through, like, the hallways, past my parents' room, all the way over through the kitchen to the living room.
1: Did you have a two-story house, though? No, I didn't. Actually. Okay, good, because that, that is the part that makes this movie so terrifying.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm, but, but still, at the same time, I did feel a sense of dread from that. Even, like, I remember staying over at people's houses who had stairs and still yeah. being terrified of just, like, going down or up and, like, yeah. missing something. Um, but anyway, so, like, I have very vivid memories, especially of, like, a big TV that's the only sort of source of light. Mm-hmm. And, like, just even looking over the side, like, is something there? no. I got like keep watching. I don't know a Yogi Bear rerun at like three in the morning or whatever I was watching <laughs> at that point. Um, and yeah, just it, it really digs into that kind of thing we were mentioning earlier of just like looking into blackness and your imagination running wild and being fearful of like is something there that's out to kill me. Yeah, and it's uh, it's uh, so fucked up to me.
1: Yeah, I I do love it as well like the the fact that the TV is basically the only source of light in the movie except for like there's a few like lights that get turned on and off but once things really get going and like this entity thing has like full control of the house like it's basically just the tv and then like a flashlight that one of the one of the children has but what i was what i was was thinking of earlier as well was like you know you were talking about your theatrical experience how everyone didn't like it and like was kind of you know, waiting for sort of something to happen. And that is a a part of the movie, I think, is that like, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you watch a movie that's billed as like the scariest movie ever, but it's still a movie you have to watch. Like there is still like, you know, and and sort of getting at the root of this movie, it's very interesting because like, yeah, so much of it is not a lot's happening and you know, you'll see, you'll see a wall, and you'll see a door, and, and that's really it, and and again, that is kind of part of that sort of almost coziness feeling for me, I had getting into this, where, like, waiting for that sort of next scare, I was kind of, like, just obsessed with the, well, one, the framing of all of these shots in the movie, but also the, the fuzziness of, like, just the analog, you know, obviously some, like, filters and stuff, but they're, they're pretty good filters, I think, sort of, uh, uh, you know, on, in this movie. But, it, it, yeah,
0: it, it is, it's so unsettling in so many ways. I think the big thing, which I read an interview that Ball did for Roger Ebert, and he said, like, the main thing he really wanted to come across is, like, the sound. Because, yeah. like, with a lot of other movies he talked about, like, that take place in sort of like a past era, they have, like, cleaner sound, which kind of ruins mm-hmm. the illusion for him. As opposed to here, even though it is recorded digitally, it's muffled in an interesting way where you can kind of make certain things out. There are subtitles occasionally, sometimes not. I did love – initially, I had – I watched this on Shudder, and I had, like, the subtitles on, and it's a lot of just, like, um, feet on flo- – <laughs> scrunching yeah. on
1: floor. rustles, um, rustles, yeah. Footsteps. Footsteps go- walking away. Footsteps getting closer. Like –
0: yeah, you're not gonna get he, any of the all of the dialogue that isn't subtitled with the, the Shutter's <laughs> and subtitles.
1: Yeah, I, I, but I love that about the movie, though. I love that sort of lo-fi quality of it, and especially with horror, because like it's so easy. It would have been so easy for him to shoot this like with an iPhone or something like that, but you wouldn't have gotten that same kind of, you know, the same vibe that you get from this because of a lot of the technical aspects of it. But yeah, I I I really love just the, the yeah the sound of it and the way that dialogue is handled where there's not really any conversations that happen really there's like very short ones brief briefly between the kids it's such a disorienting experience
0: it, it yeah
1: yeah yeah especially
0: when there's a lot of the sequences where the kids are talking you don't see any part of them like there's one bit yeah where where like the kids are talking to each other but like can we sleep down here tonight. And sure, and it's like, that that adds enough, because I think the barrier a lot of people have is like, oh, these people aren't, like, characters. We don't really get the full investment we would in your average movie with them. But I think we get, like, just enough of them to where they're great, like, audience surrogates. And, like, Mm -hmm. true audience surrogates where it's like, they are just, like, enough of characters to where, like, you were a kid, right? You've been (laughs) this small, and you've talked in this particular way. At a point, where the kid, like especially the fact that the kids that that they use have such like natural voices, uh, Lucas Paul and Daily Rose uh, Tetralot, um, they have like such naturalistic voices that feel just like oh, these are actual children saying these things. Yeah, as mm-hmm. opposed to like you know a, a Hollywood kid actor who's a bit more polished. Yeah,
1: yeah, and the all the voice lines that the kids have is are so like they add to the sort of dread because yeah, they sound like just normal little kids and uh, yeah, just the shots where it is like most of the shots of people walking are of their like legs. Like you see the bottom half of of, of the kids, you never really yeah see their faces really. And you never, the movie doesn't give you a lot to sort of cling on to there. And like it it will go long stretches without even showing you either of the kids necessarily. And you know, you're kind of like, what's going on, like, what is, what happened, and then it'll cut back to, the, you know, one of them, like, sleeping or something, and it's like, okay, oh, nothing bad's happening yet, but it, it has almost that dreamlike quality in, I mean, obviously it feels more like a nightmare, but um, <laughs> that sort of dreamlike quality of, like, it, it, it's calm, It you know, things aren't happening, and then things really pick up.
0: Well, especially that it's like you're in a familiar place, but something's off about it. Exactly, yes. And a lot yeah. of that stuff, like, the,
1: I mean, the scenes where they go into, like, the, pa- the parents' room is yep.
0: one of the most horrifying things I've seen. <laughs> like... So, in case it wasn't clear at all, based on some of these things you've been saying, you did enjoy Skinner because you were very nervous going into this. You were very I nervous. was. Our patrons, shout out to our patrons, patreon.com slash cinema2letter, uh, ended up picking this one uh, for this episode. So, you were very nervous, Going I out. was
1: but, yeah. yeah, just because I you know as someone who doesn't get scared by horror movies that often,
0: as a big boy, big boy pants
1: yeah i I tie my my shoes by myself and <laughs> um but but this one i I was like, okay, this might provoke you know, this might stir up some some very primal fears for me, and it did, and I still i you know i'm i i I have tried not to think about it over like the past couple of days, because I'm just like, if I think about this when I'm trying to go to bed, I will not sleep. It it is scary, but I think more, I was impressed by the craft of it and the the technical aspects of it. Um, Again, I just love the way, the rhythm of this thing, the way it moves, how slow it is, how Kyle Edward Ball is not really interested in like, putting a narrative onto this. There is no like explanation or scene where they explain that like, Oh actually it's it was a ghost and it was it it's someone who died in this house like in the 80 in the 80s or whatever i guess this is the 90s so it would be like someone who died in like the 50s or whatever but n- not really and I, I like how it is not really interested in providing answers and is more interested in like just fucking scaring the shit out of you for an hour and
0: what 40 minutes <laughs> Right, and doing so with admittingly, like, sometimes there's, like, some jump scares. There's some bits yeah. where, like, something mm-hmm. will, like, pop up and scare you. Jump scares get a bad rap, I think. Uh, I think because so. Because it yeah. just sort of became, like, the internet excuse of just, like, oh, a horror movie just overuses this. Especially yeah. after the internet, I think, ironically, made the worst version of that, with like, the early jump scare pop-ups. Like, you'd get in emails and shit. Um, mm-hmm. Or, like, the worst offenders of those. You just watch the car as it's going around the, the track. and yeah. like, oh. Uh... Ah spooky it's like an exorcist Um, lady thing like whatever yeah right but as opposed to here where like kyle edward ball knows that like okay you're expecting a scare and you're gonna get one but the much more terrifying sort of thing is the creepiness he he talks about this a lot in that interview i was referring to where he feels that like scary is a lot more ephemeral but creepiness lasts and i think that's very accurate to, like, this movie where, like, like whenever something, like, pops up, like, the fucking phone or little Kaylee's face <laughs> without eyes and a mouth and shit, stuff oh like that God. is, like, terrifying. It's one of these rare movies where, like, I get scared in the way I remember distinctly as a kid, where, like, I would get scared and just be paralyzed with fear for a bit mm-hmm. for, like, 15 seconds. Just like, oh Oh, God. And that happened even watching it this time, I where I had, like, the, the interesting experience, folks, of, I was like, okay, I want to try and recreate the immersive experience I had in the theater. So I watched it like at the end of the night and I had like all my, my laptop was over there. My, my phone was like locked and I was like, okay, I'm not gonna look at anything. I'm going to watch it. And the first half of it I watched and had that same sense of dread all the way up until the scene where Kaylee goes up to the parents' room through all of that. And I was like, I can't fucking handle this. I need to stop. I need to turn the lights on. I need to watch like a funny comedy video. I can't handle this. And I went to sleep somehow after all that. I'm a big boy. I was a very brave boy. And I'm going to sleep after that. But then <laughs> I woke up a bit earlier before work and finished the movie. In broad daylight, I heard birds chirping and I had my dog next to me. Um, it, looked like, still... it looked like my Zoom background. Right. It looked like your Zoom background. Yes. And I was still just transfixed by it. I was still yeah terrified by it the whole time. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, this is still just like, it's a weird thing where like a lot of people have said like, oh, you got to be in the right mindset to like be immersed in the movie. And that helps, but at the same time, I I would argue even without like kind of like enclosure of a theater, I was still just like constantly hooked by it. Just looking for every like nook and cranny. just like, even after seeing the movie earlier, I still just had this time of like, all right, when's it going to show up? I forgot the order. I don't know when the phone thing happens. I don't know when her face shows up. Just like, And I had that weird kind of like, I'm sure a lot of people who watch this are watching like, okay, let's see something. I've been seeing this corner for a while or this mm-hmm. black void. Like see me, show me something. Come on. And I had the weird kind of like other thing where I'm like, all right, Kyle motherfucker. Come on, show it, show it. I'm a brave <laughs> boy. Come on. I can face it. Come on. Just do it. For the love of God, just do it. I had that kind of thing. That kind of like, it's the being of that hideous heart kind of like building dread. <laughs> That was immersing in me. And it's like, it's so rare a movie can make me feel like that. And I'm so glad something like that exists.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, in contrast, I watched this at 3 p.m. Right. Um, the windows were open, but, like, the blinds were, like, you know, drawn. So, like, there was, you know, it was a little dark. But even still, yeah, watching it in, in, in the daytime, it still is a movie, like, like you said, transfixing. Like, it's so... You just want to watch it, even though it's scaring you. It's that it's that thing about horror where you just, like, you want to keep watching it, and you want to see what happens. And at least for me, as someone who loves, like, you know, the, like, slow cinema, I, I love the fact that this movie doesn't really show you a lot for most of its runtime. And I, I do think that, like, it's a little long, I think. It's an hour 40 minutes, and, like... Yeah i I do think that you can only get so much with that and i I started to feel a bit a bit tired when like towards the end when he's sort of doing the same thing of like i'm gonna sh- we're gonna hang on this shot for five minutes. My mind did start to kind of wander a bit and kind of you know do that whole thing, but I mean, really, there's nothing else like this that I've seen, and like I'm not a huge like horror fan who like watches like a ton of, you know, everything. Like, you know, I'm not one of those people, but I I watch enough, you know, horror movies out there and there's just nothing I've seen like this, really. Where, not just in, like, the feelings that it evokes, right? Because very few movies do that. Uh, You know, another one is, like, The Blair Witch Project, but also just in, like, the way it's made. And I love that aspect of it. And I was like, you know, more than anything, I was like, oh, he's a really good director and he's really his framing on all of these shots are really incredible. And yeah, it's such a unique, unique movie.
0: Now, given, you know, there's so much, it's very experimental, it's up for interpretation. Do you have any like take on what this movie represents? Do you have any take on like what sort of this story as it is, is actually like unfurling in front of you? If there's any detail you kind of like gleaned from it? I, yeah, I guess my, my interpretation of things, which is like, I'm also just
1: willing to accept that like this movie's not giving you anything, like, at all. And I, I love I love that. I love that aspect of it. And but but, I, but my interpretation of it is that it is just a an entity, like an evil, you know? I, I don't think it is like a ghost or a spirit. I think it is like just a, a an an evil entity and it is like just taking over this house it is like it's such an effective like haunted house story in a way that i like many haunted house movies have not really gotten me like this feels this creates the most dread out of a a haunted house that i've like ever seen in a movie maybe yeah i I sort of view it as that just a a very dark twisted haunted house movie um i I don't know yeah do do you have any any like Interpretation of your own.
0: Well, I mean, I've seen a lot of interesting ones, like some who court, sort of like equate the entity to like another kid who's like forcing these kids to play with them. Because the ghost context is like, I want to play. And right. it's sort of like yeah. essentially treating these kids like they're in a dollhouse being like thrown about and doing like horrible things to them, especially like putting the knife in the eye and stuff like that. There's that shot of like the, it's like a, a the
1: house, like it shows you the house and it's like in this big room. Do you know what I'm talking about? That shot towards the end, kind of. Right, yes. Of like, the little, yeah. like It
0: looks like a children's drawing of the house, even. Yeah, and it's yeah. like in
1: this like big room and yeah, that kind of, it's very,
0: very unsettling to see that. Yeah. Right, but my, I would say my thing mm-hmm. is that it feels a bit more like this malevolent entity is somehow kind of feeding off the sort of what I interpret the kind of relationship that kids have to their parents who are not there is that, um, it feels like these, this, it, it feels like a big metaphor for child abuse to me because it's so mm, much about like mm-hmm. early on we get the whole thing where it's like, we hear the, the father on the phone, just like, Oh, he fell down the stairs and he had, he was like sleepwalking. That's what Kaylee told me, which right. almost feels like somebody making stuff up. And then he ends up leaving And sort of ends up giving this sort of, like, neglect to these kids. Like, this person has shirked their responsibilities, been horrible to them, and then left. And then what these kids are trying to, like, fend off is basically, like, both, like, the PTSD of having, like, these abusive... Like, at least an abusive dad, and maybe a mom who's just, like, not there anymore. Maybe dad killed her, that maybe she left, like, earlier, leaving these kids to this abusive father. And these kids just have to kind of deal with, like, that PTSD, but also a demon. (laughs) Which is, like, rough. These kids have had a rough early couple years. And it just, it, I think it adds like this interesting kind of tragedy where it's like, it's about just that basic thing of like, your parents aren't there and you're small, and you don't know how the world works. And there's something there that you don't know. And I think that additional stuff kind of like helps to so, like sort of, especially I found that from like the second viewing that kind of, or even especially that child neglect angle. Um, but at the same time, it also just like that even that basic interpretation like there is an entity there that is like fucking with these kids still works on its own without any of that additional sort of backstory stuff but i kind of glean that especially like the stuff with the mom in that bedroom it feels like somebody who's like afraid to be in their home because there is some evil force there yeah mm-hmm. which feels kind of like you know i'm discussing fun things on this <laughs> show this is a fun, lighthearted hearted movie, I well,
1: think. Well, that's true, right. A lot of laughs. Yeah, real gut-buster.
0: Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, there are cartoons in it. They're so wacky.
1: The cartoons look fun. I, I kind of... Yeah, yeah, like, I would watch those cartoons. But, um,
0: yeah, and what I love
1: is that, like, you can pick so much out of this. Like, you can. Like, that interpretation, like, it reads. But yet, like, if someone else came, it, came to me and was, like, gave me a completely different one, I- I'm sure it is, because, like... I'm sure it would, it would it would be fair because I this movie is so open ended and like even I'm not really entirely sure what ends up happening to them. It's very like they get like eaten, right? <laughs> Basically, it's it, or something like that. It's so there's that shot of like it's at the end when like the demon's like eating and it sounds like he's like eating the kids. It's And like you see, like the blood splatter. It's so, yeah, it's so
0: horrifying. (laughs) Yeah, um, but but even like, I'm curious. Then, what is the scariest moment to you? What is like the scariest scene? Um, it's the end. It's the last
1: shot, basically, right? It's that the face. Yeah. Um, terrifying. It's so because it is so. Again, it's going back to the sort of the, the craft of it where you you can barely see that there's a face there. Like, just barely. Especially, like,
0: the, the way it looks, there's almost, like, kind of, like, the contours where eyes and, like, a um, full mouth would be. But it's, like, there's, like, a, the smallest inch of a smile. Yeah, yeah. And, like,
1: it reminds me a lot, of course, of, like, the a lot of shots from David Lynch's Inland Empire of course, mm-hmm. like just another, just horrifying faces, a, a very similar movie. I think, by the way,
0: there's a lot of Lynch. I would argue, even beyond Inland Empire, in this.
1: Yeah, but that face is just so is a great also ending because it it is it's giving you sort of something. It's giving you confirmation that like yes, there is something out there, but it's that's it, and you kind of you can you can take from that what you will.
0: Especially when like the the last. Lines that are there, like the kid, little Kevin kid saying, What's your name? What's your name? And you don't get an answer. <laughs> no. That face might yeah. as well just be Cal Edward Ball just like, That's it, everybody. Good night. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's all folks. And they do like.
1: But what is your scariest moment? Is it, is it also the face, or do you have another one?
0: Uh, I think there are a lot. Um, but I think for me, it's got to be. That scene I mentioned earlier with Kaylee going up to the parents' room. Just the dread yeah. of, like, her walking around, seeing the bottom half of her dad sitting on the side. We never see the full visage of her dad. Yep. Just his legs. Like, and he just says, like, look
1: under the bed. Look under the bed.
0: Look under the bed. Under the bed. Like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> Not doing and, that. And the genius of, like, nothing is under the bed. They look twice. Yeah. They look twice and it, nothing's there. Even I love, yeah. like, he, he got, <laughs> the Kaylee comes up and is just like, I don't see anything. Look again. Oh, God, we're going back. And then, yeah. but then <laughs> gets up and then looks over. Oh, her dad's gone. But her mom is on the other side of the bed. Yeah. And just the way that she very deliberately speaks, just like, I need you to. And, like, the, sh- the subtitles show up and then close your eyes pop up. Just like, oh, no, no yeah Would, nope, not, <laughs> and then just even the way that like how abrupt the ending of that scene is where like she looks over to the side, she hears crunching noises, her mom says something's there, and then a scream happens, and like, oh, we're back downstairs. <laughs> That's over now. Oh, that cut is so abrupt, and there's like
1: there, there is this like this like w- loud like whining noise, like a ear kind of noise as well, kind of this lo fi like you know um like clang it is so yeah it's so effective it that's one of the moments that kind of made me like audibly gasp at like oh my god this is like you know it, because yeah watching it i think i had that i had a bit of that feeling as, as kind of hypnotized by it as i was i was like also a bit like is this a movie that's gonna have actual scares or is it gonna be like you know one of these like Elevated horror kind of like things where, like, it's really not about a trauma. lot happens, yes, <laughs> right, yes, like, or is it gonna have actual scares? And it, there are actual scares there.
0: What, what, what do you feel maybe separates this in terms of like the actual scares from like the average horror movie? What do you think, like, makes like those scary moments actually work as Vistratus as opposed to like you know, a Blumhouse or a more typical A24 trauma horror?
1: I think part of it is the, the buildup to it, how much time you spend, you know, yeah, like 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 you know, just looking at a TV or just looking at a wall, and it is those 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 quiet moments really amplify those like, that that scene you said, like I think that scene works as effective as it does because you're getting sort of small breadcrumbs of like. Hey, there's something kind of creepy about this house right now. But that's I think that's the moment where you're fully sort of in this like terror. Um yeah, I, I think it is that sort of yeah, the the rhythm of like where a lot of horror movies can do the I don't even have a problem with jump scares, but it is like the cheap version of the jump scare or
0: the cat scare. Is yes. Like a, yeah. Know, yeah. Just yeah. Like, yeah, oh, it.
1: walking down a hallway.
0: Oh no, something's there. It's like meow. And then, like, yeah.
1: Yeah. Or it's like their friend getting their attention, like touching, putting their hand on their shoulder. <laughs> and, like, yeah. Oh, you scared me, though. Like, yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that is what separates this movie is that it has a lot of those calm moments where, like, yeah, nothing is happening. Like nothing. There's no dialogue. There's nothing. You hear the music and from the from the tv and that's it and and also like just the craft of it and just the the way it's directed
0: i think that's what just really makes it so unique it kind of trains you to sort of like let your mind wander with the yes way that it, yeah like, mm-hmm. it, it does because i would say like you mentioned earlier about like oh you kind of started having a bit of fatigue with it near the end i felt that more during the first like 20 or so minutes when i first watched it where it's a lot more of just, like, yeah. mm-hmm. the kids are walking around, like, they go downstairs, dad's there. It's really, like, I think the, the big one that really invests me, uh, sort of in terms of the scares, which, is like, things click off, is when the kid goes upstairs to get something, and he's like, oh, I'm kind of scared up here. I'm going to, the nightlight's unplugged. I'm going to plug it back in. And then we just see the shot of the hallway with the darks, except the nightlight. And the nightlight disappears. No one's there.
1: Yeah. That's where I'm like,
0: oh, something's uh, off. This is weird. <laughs> this is uncomfortable. And just the, the, the fact that it's like you mentioned, sort of the deliberate pacing of it, that allows you to like, when there are certain shots where we're, literally we're looking into a black void and we see like this digital grain that's trying to replicate the film grain stuff, it feels just off enough to where like I recognize some of these elements. There is a familiarity But at the same time, I'm seeing, like, a grain over there. And the way because of the way the film's structured, I see a grain in the corner. I'm like, oh, fuck, is that a thing? Yeah, yes. There is a shot of, like, a hallway.
1: Again, I don't know. And I'll never watch the movie again because it's it's terrifying. (laughs) But, like, I swear I saw, like, a black, like, figure. Right. Of, like, a... Yeah, like, it's... Yeah, it's one of those things where you're just like, is my mind playing tricks on me? Or is this, like, am I just seeing something here? And it's it's horrifying
0: it's just so, it's so creepy especially when contrasted from like the cartoons i think that's the genius thing about the cartoons Is like yeah. th- you have that thing when you're younger of, like you know like the nightlight thing or I remember this like the f- around the time i got like a tv in my room i was just like well whatever is under my bed can't scare me because i have the muppet show on or whatever the hell <laughs> there's this is a protection this is a, a shield mm-hmm. from any kind of like Wrongdoing And the way that the cartoons turn on them, basically, particularly with the Presto Change Joe cartoon, which is the one with the yeah. rabbit, which, shout out, is actually an early Looney Tunes cartoon that is in public domain.
1: Oh, cool.
0: It's directed by Chuck Jones, in fact, and the little bunny is actually the proto-Bugs Bunny. Cool. Like, this is one of the early ones they did before. Bugs Bunny officially debuted later. And that fucking cartoon, when they start repeating... The bit where like the rat makes himself disappear <laughs> with the hands, and it just like keeps looping and looping and looping, and then even like the ultimate reveal after that isn't actually scary, but it is still just like you're terrified from the moment we change from that, because like yeah. it just builds that dread. Something else, and you're still like terrified even though nothing's there.
1: The repetition of it as well, like just you seeing it and hearing it over and over again, like you're just kind of like. What? Come on, what? Like, what are you doing? Come on. <laughs> and, like, yeah. And, and that kind of leads to kind of one of those, like, the moment towards the end where the, the entity is like, I can do anything. And that line is so horrifying. And it's such a simple line. And yet, like, there's so much dread just
0: in that where you're just like, oh my God, I'm, like, terrified. But it's a great terrifying that works for, like, any age. Like, when you hear someone, like, scary voices, I want to play, or come upstairs, or particularly, like, the, you know, the the line you were just saying, that, like, um, I can do anything. Like, it just gives you a very, like, primal kind of terror. And I think especially also the way that, like, some of this repetition stuff works, it puts you in the shoes of, like, these kids where, also, it's kind of helped by, like, you know, being not too far away from, like, quarantine, COVID pandemic stuff. It's like, hey, you're stuck in the same place. And the days kind of blur together, and especially yeah. just the factor of like there are no windows or doors, which is a brilliant way of like getting around. Like, oh, we have to like cover light or whatever. It's like, oh, none of these things are here anymore. Yeah, <laughs> these things are gone. And even like a bit of humor with like the toilet disappearing, which is cute. And they have like two buckets.
1: <laughs> there, there are some some funny moments in this movie. Yeah, one one of the ones that stands out to me, I think, is like. After you've just, like, had a panic attack, one of the little kids is like, can we watch something happy now?
0: <laughs> Which is, I think, so, just so funny. Right, or even uh, there's um, something where, like, they when, after, I think, he goes upstairs for the first time, um, and you, like, hear, like, entities or whatever, and they're just like, can we sleep downstairs? <laughs> and stuff <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> it immerses you in the spot the kids are in. Where it's just like everything, like because of like the movies, like it's now it's a hundred minutes long, but it feels longer, but not in the way where you're like, oh come on, can we wrap this up? It's just like how long have I been here? Has it only been twenty minutes or hasn't been an eternity? I don't know. I'm scared. (laughs) I've seen
1: I've seen people. I think a common criticism of this movie is that like it could have been a short film, right? And theoretically, I don't like disagree because like yeah, enough like. You could cut this down, and it would be a great little 45-minute to an hour short, maybe a bit longer. But I think you would lose just, yeah, It it's it's so drawn out. The quote-unquote boring moments are so drawn
0: out. My favorite thing when people kind of call it, like, filler, like, filler episodes for TV shows and shit. Right, Where yeah. It's just like, well, that- whatever, I, I want plot. I want, like, three-act structure and everything. Yeah. It's like, I, I like that too, man, but it's a lot more... Sort of scary when you don't have sort of like the typical like oh there's got to be some kind of explanation for the supernatural entity, and also yeah, it's just like it's just the experience of being in that fucking house. It's,
1: yeah, and it feels like, and I, I read an interview with um with Ball where he was talking about this where he wanted it to feel like a nightmare, like yeah. in the just the structure of it, and you get so much of that and. You know, another thing I think of as well was you were kind of talking about how, like, it is a, these kids being in this this place that is familiar because you you know your house, but it's at night. And it's also that thing of, like, when you're a kid, when you're, like, yeah, it feels like your house at night is a completely different, like, location. Yeah. Like, it might as well be, like, the fucking, like... An abandoned mental asylum or something. Yeah, like, it's a, it's just, like, a completely different place. And it feels like... While you're like while it's nighttime, it's night, and it's not. Ne- it's never gonna be day, you know that kind of creepy feeling where you just it feels like you're never gonna see this like the daylight again because you're like so scared, and, and yeah, it's just another feeling that this movie evokes.
0: Well, especially I just love also the decor of the house. Yeah, where mm-hmm. it's just like it feels naturally like a sort of '70s era house that this kid from the '90s grew up in. Mm-hmm because his parents bought it like probably from somebody in the 80s and then they ended up you know with these kids in this house where it has like distinctive features like that big wooden sort of like triangle that's right above the tv mm-hmm. and some of like those sort of uh, rock facades a bit with like the sort of the fireplace area and stuff like that it like looks just enough like a, a house with a bit of flair but at the same time feels like it would be affordable for like a middle class environment in, like the 90s Um, You feel like you've seen, like, pictures of your friends in that house kind of thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Yeah, and so much of, like, the way that it, yeah, you can tell it looks like a normal house. And yet, through the way that the, like, just all the filters and the way that's being shot, it doesn't feel like a normal house. It doesn't feel like you're moving through a house at times. It feels like you're just in this, like, weird liminal space that is, like weird and dark and twisted
0: right which it also plays I think into a big reason why this kind of became popular like because you know I'm down with the kids Brian I, I know what the youths are all about of I'm course, the Steve yes. Buscemi meme of just like hello fellow kids um I'm, I'm well aware but I think there's a whole thing with like you know the sort of the creepypasta which led into a lot of, like the liminal space horror like there's that what's it called back rooms right which that kid is now making a movie at yes. like mm-hmm. 17 or something and <laughs> um and, like, something like that where it's like, hey, here's a picture of a small space that has, like, you know, certain contours and stuff that make it feel like this is an enclosure, this is like a trap. Like, something, some entity is trapping me here. And I love how the movie embraces that, but also because of the weird nonspecifics of, like, what this entity is, it kind of implies that, like, this creature can do anything, not just with that line, but also, like, the shots where, one, you're, like, upside down like, and on the ceiling, which I'm amazed yes. how the fuck he did those. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, because the, they're the one of, like, all the, like, Legos and stuff, like, stuck right. to the ceiling, and I'm like, okay, that's, I can believe that, movie magic. But then there's the part at the end where they're, like, he's, like, walking on the ceiling, and that's the part where I was like, whoa, hold on, this is, yeah, very impressive. How the f- uh, yeah. <laughs> how
0: the fuck did you get $15,000, right? But yeah, but then, like you mentioned, that's that shot of, like, all the toys that are, like, up on the ceiling... And, like, they're all crouched together in the upstairs hallway, and just that little title of 576 Days Later, or something like that, 527 Days, whatever. It's been over a year, basically, they've been in this fucking house.
1: It is—that's the part, because the movie becomes very disorienting in those last, kind of, 20 minutes or so, 20, 30 minutes, I would say, where it is so difficult to even, like, pick up on what's happening. And yet, yeah, when you get that that title card, it is so, like— oh my God, like kind of feeling where you're just like, Jesus, this is like, just so painful. Uh, it, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and they lull you into like that sense of dread right before the telephone, <laughs> the telephone. which is like the, 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 element of this telephone is so fascinating to me where like earlier we get the bit where, um, the, the boy, Kevin is trying to like call, like he might just say, like get a lie on the phone, like actually tries to call nine one one. Uh, which I think adds a lot to, like, sort of that abuse theory I have, particularly with just, like, the, is someone listening, and can you be a brave boy for me? Right, yes. Where -hmm. where that grounds you in the reality of, like, oh, my God, this vague image we've seen, a few things I haven't heard, a voice of a child, is a kid, and he's trying to call for help, and there is an doll on the line trying to help them. But even how, like, the, the little bits where, like, the 911 person is reacting, just like, wait, there are no doors? And no yeah. windows, and shit like that. And then the fact that, like, oh, the line ends up crashing, and then that this thing has turned the phone into that little Fisher Price phone. Yeah, the one from like,
1: Toy Story Three.
0: Right. I'm glad that guy got work. You know, it's been yeah. over a decade.
1: It has. And I'm glad he got more work. They didn't. Um, Pixar didn't bring him back for Toy Story Four, so he really had to go
0: to other places for work. No, he was just waiting by himself for the phone call. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. But yeah, then like that that Fisher Price phone, which everyone had, like I had that toy. Anybody, yeah, has got some version of this phone. And then later on, when that phone is just like, I love like it's the flashlight clicking on and off, which is terrifying. Which is like click, click yeah. Click, and click. if I
1: remember correctly, it's it's the eyes first, right? Like it's right, dark. the lights
0: click off from one shot, and then the eyes are there, and you're like, yes. oh fuck, and, and that's, oh, that's the part where I'm,
1: yeah, you're. And then it it cuts to the, and then, yeah, the light comes on, and I let out a, a legitimate, like, oh, my God. It's just the phone, thank right? Thank God. Now. It's just that phone, just, right? Nothing bad. It's just happened. the phone. I literally said, it's just the phone from Toy Story 3. Oh, thank God. like
0: <laughs> And then, phone rings. <laughs> yep. That sort
1: of liminal space kind of thing is really, like, a big element of this movie. And the weird kind of, like, I follow, like, a a Twitter account called, like, Liminal Spaces that just posts, like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And there is, like, you'll see one of them, and you'll be like, that's cool, and that's a cool, like, vibe. And then you'll see another one, and it's just creepy. And just, like, you're just, like, there are some very bad vibes coming from this, like, picture in this, like, room. And this movie gets both of those things, I think. It, It is so distressing and
0: yet like there is a vibe here i think it's it's weird but (laughs) it definitely feels like a movie bore from the internet in terms like some of that liminal space stuff or even i got a lot of vibes of um when i was especially like about 10 years ago i was really into like urban explorer videos where they would just show like especially like the abandoned disney things Yes, um, yes, okay, yeah. Like Career Country of. and some of these other things were just like, oh, let's look into this abandoned place that has a childhood element. Like, I remember I watched, like, the last time I was really into those was when Disney Quest shut down and they had a guy, like, sneaking at Disney Quest. So there's all these shots of him just walking down, like, this these hallways I remember going into Disney Quest and at the same time just seeing, like, oh, there's a decapitated Buzz Lightyear. Oh, look, here's the, <laughs> all these different, like, just... I shouldn't laugh. That's so horrible to Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> <laughs> right, our, our, our man was, like, your uh, R.P. to a real one. Um, and, like, a big Pinocchio face that was on the wall, and she's just, like, walking down, like, a dark hole, and then there's just something familiar, but in this cascaded light that looks upsetting. And yeah. I think, like, that, that's really evoked here with so much of it. Like, even... There's a shot that isn't at all explained during, like, sort of this... after It's after, like, Kaylee has had her face removed, um, we get that shot, but then before like the initial like uh, put uh, knife in your eye, where there's just a shot of a wo- the back of a woman's head. Yeah, and there's yeah. no like even with the minimal amount of like sort of connection this movie has, there's no explanation for that shot. And College Ball has said like I know who that is. I'm not telling anybody. It's like who the fuck is that? What the fuck is that thing? Yeah. Why is uh, and especially just that like the scariest sort of thing where like. <laughs> the back of a person's head but you don't see the shoulders you just see the hair and it's like anything could be hiding that fucking hair dude anything could be behind that face
1: <laughs> yeah um like and w- w- what you're saying earlier like this feels like something born of out of the internet it also reminds me of another another kind of recent horror movie which is um we're all going to the world's fair and so sort of in terms of like yeah it has kind of a, a an internet fuzziness to it i I don't know i don't know how to explain it and like parts of this feel like they kind of are from that like creepy pasta kind of thing but i think like like you were saying earlier with those like internet stuff like this never does the thing where it will show you like it shows you a creepy face but it like obfuscates it behind so many layers of like fuzz and grain and everything that it's like barely discernible whereas like those videos would be like ah like right in your face And I think that is what separates something like that kind of just dumb internet stuff from this, which I think is a a real, like, genuinely
0: fascinating piece of art. Um, Yeah, it reminds me a lot, especially in terms of like, because Creepypasta feels very hit or miss for me, because there are some that are like, so clear, like, this is written by a 12-year-old and it's not nearly <laughs> as scary as they want it to be. But it reminds me particularly of there's the one, Candle Cove, which was the first... They turned that into the first season of uh that Channel Zero show, which I watched. But okay, that story where basically it's about, like, a group of people... Like, it was told via, like, message board sort of things, where it's, like, two people talking about, like, hey, remember that show uh, Cabin Cove? When we were kids, it had, like, little puppets and stuff. And, like, nobody really like in the message board no one's like i don't remember this show i don't remember the show either and then like the very end message as like they tell a bunch of like increasingly upsetting stories about like what happens on the show um in this fictional children's show and then the very end you're just like yeah i remember one time my mom just said like you would just watch that tv for 30 minutes when it was just static <laughs> yep <It's like> creepy <laughs> right that's creepy but in a way yeah. that feels like it's tied to sort of like kind of like a childhood nostalgia, but at the same time, this is not a movie that very much is like, oh, you remember this about your childhood, but it's not some cartoon you watched or some emotion you have tied to, like, playing on the playground. It's that fear, and that's just, like, a thing that not a lot of people want to go back to, necessarily. Not a lot of people can, like, go back into that particular kind of element of it, but I think that's, that's, it's so fascinating to see that as, like, a counterbalance to where, like, 90s nostalgia feels so much more, like, crass- and oversold yeah. by like a month. And even 80s nostalgia was doing that, particularly like a decade ago into now. But um, this feels like definitely the anti-nostalgia, just like, remember when you felt fucking terrified and unsure about things as a kid? Yeah. <laughs> In a different way than you do right now? <laughs> yeah, it, this is a very like, just uh,
1: the, the sort of, the haunted version of only 90s kids will remember this. <laughs> yes. Like it is like, yeah, only, this is what the 90s were like. Fucking horrifying, <laughs> like
0: just terrible, terrifying.
1: Only nineties kids have with their pants at this particular moment. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, is there is there anything we haven't brought up that you want to shout out about Ring before we get into like final thoughts and stuff? Any any lingering things? Um. Yeah.
1: I I never thought that so many shots of Legos could be, <laughs> could be this like. You know, hypnotizing. But uh, for the record. Very impressed with the
0: little Lego that those kids built.
1: They very were, yeah. With I'm sitting. Look, I'm getting into Legos for like a separate reason in my personal life. But maybe want to maybe want to build some
0: Legos. <laughs> <laughs> um, LEGO I want to build Lego I could do it better than those children can. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even have an entity following me. Fuck you, kids. I can do it. Way better. <laughs> they should have a skin Lego
1: set. No, oh, right.
0: <laughs> I
1: don't know what that would in that would include,
0: but. I think it'd be cool. Just vague shapes that you assemble. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, structures are just like a big question mark. It's like the, it's
1: the upside down house. Like the, the, when the room's upside down, you have to build it upside down. Right. Of course.
0: Yes. Um, you know, one thing I just wanted to shout out is something I remember being confused by at the beginning. And I just found out about the, the dedication at the beginning. Um, at the very yeah. beginning, like at the end of the opening credits, there's a dedication to a guy named Joshua Bookhalter. And they say, like, this movie couldn't have been made without the help of um, Joshua Bookholder's family. And uh, Joshua Bookholder was the assistant director on the film. Um, And he was uh, quite young, and he suddenly died, like, right before post-production started. And the thing was, he not only was the assistant director, but he recorded all of the audio that you hear in the movie. Oh, wow. And it was all on his laptop. So Kyle Edward Ball had to be, like, after some grieving, had to, like, hey, can I get the laptop from you guys so I can use it like to his family. And it's a shame of course that guy passed away, but especially considering what he contributes to this movie with that sound is like so crucial. Like it is yeah, such like it is. A, a firm element where it's not even just like the you know, the way the dialogue's recorded where like you mentioned the you kinda of made the impression at the start of this with like the the way that the, the entity talks like yeah. this. Like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yes. Like that, like that tinniness kind of affects it, but also even just the hisses that we hear during, like, those black moments where there's yeah. just, like, nothing there and you hear, like, a hiss. It's just, wh- just, it's like white
1: noise almost. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like, it's like menacing white noise.
0: <laughs> it's so crucial to getting you invested in this where it's just, like, it is. I just, I, I'm stuck here and there's a hiss thing, but there's something here. I didn't pause the movie. It's still going. I, I mean, like, yeah, the, if it had just
1: been this and without any of the sort of technical aspects of it, I, you know, would have been scary. But I think, yes, it does so much for, for the movie. And it really, like, is what sells the movie, like, just sells it home. And what really works about this movie is how both the visuals of it, but the sound and the soundscape create, the- it makes it the sensory experience where, like, I... I- kept like almost wanting to turn it up because like the, i it was like am i gonna hear something am i gonna like but then to just then a, a
0: jump scare happens you're like no, nope,
1: no turn it down turn it yeah. down yeah <laughs> yeah and then and yeah just that that lo-fi sort of like aesthetic that it has where it's like yeah the tinniness the sort of like the the like droning almost it, yeah it, it's something i really love
0: also to shout do you know what Marink even is where that comes
1: from I saw the quote from what he had said, but I don't remember what it was. Isn't it like a musical? It's a song. It, a song. Like, it's, okay.
0: It's a it's a, a song I remember from childhood. Like if you hear, I remember very vividly like going to preschool and there was some show where it was like two kids and like a guy dressed up in like a bear costume, and they sang the song was like "Skin and Marinka Dinka Dink Skin Do I Love You." So it's like it's a very childish song, but right. it's it's kind of a genius title, even though they don't use that song in the movie. It's still just, like, it's weird enough to where, like, this feels like a childhood kind of, like, made-up word. But at the same time, yeah. mm-hmm. there's kind of a... um this unnervingness with, like, the Ks. He said that very much, like, the sort of the hard K sounds. Of skin, um, a rink. Yeah. It's, like, mm-hmm. it kind of offsets you.
1: It is a great title. Like, it's, yeah. it's very fun to say. It's very, like, memorable. It somehow... The movie evokes it, like you were saying, that sort of childhood feeling, um, and how it just twists it into this dark, fucked up movie.
0: <laughs> but even like the clinicalness of the first half of it being skin, yeah, like unnerving, and then um, a rink, What's the silly thing? Yeah, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that is uh, our discussion then on Skin and Merink. I'm very curious if you all watched this. Movie and prep. Uh, if any of you liked it or not, <laughs> I'd be very curious yeah. to hear <laughs> um, how many of you actually dug Skin the But um, let's get into our usual segment between the lines. <music> Episode uh, for Between the Lines. Brian and I talk about uh, another movie we kind of recommend to you out there that's related to some degree to the movie we're talking about. Either it could be like another End for New choice, for example, or it could be something tangentially related to the movie itself, Skindermaring. So, Brian, you're going first here. What is your pick for Between the Lines this week?
1: Yeah, uh, my choice is another horror movie, another recently released horror movie in the past three years. A movie I think about all the time. I talk about it any chance I get. I'm talking about uh, David Pryor's *The Empty Man*. This movie. So, uh, for one, this is directed by David Pryor, who has worked very closely with uh, David Fincher. I believe he has worked on various of his films. You know, a lot of behind his... the
0: scenes, kind of EPK stuff for Fincher movies. Yes, and particularly the, yeah. like you, any of the behind the scenes stuff for like *Fight Club* or *Zodiac* mm-hmm. stuff like that
1: yeah um and it is at the at its most basic level is a movie about james badgedale who is a like retired detective and he gets embroiled into this sort of small town kind of mystery about uh, a disappearing girl this like his neighbor's daughter has gone missing it may be tied to this thing of the empty man which is this like folklore that's told um and yet the movie is so much more than that and it is for one a very long movie at about almost two and a half hours um it features a what 40 minute (laughs) like prologue basically that yes is, is this very
0: very incredible like short film almost it's one of those classic 40-minute, then title drops. Like, yeah. <laughs>
1: one, of the, one of the best moments in any movie. Um, it becomes something so much more ambitious than I think I would have ever expected. It is one of the most fascinating horror movies I've seen in a very long time. Like, in years. I absolutely adore it. There are some segments towards the end that are incredible um the conversation towards the end that two characters have in a hospital mm-hmm. is just so oh my gosh so incredible a, a weird sort of like quasi lovecraftian horror very weird movie and i would v- be very curious for people to watch this without knowing anything about it it's how i watched it and i think about it all the time the empty man you've seen this movie you like this movie, I, I hope. Right?
0: We covered this movie on the old show. previously Oh, cool! Um, but uh, yeah, this was definitely like this was an infamous example of like a movie that it's released by Fox. It's like one yep. of the last. I think it's like technically the last movie to have like the Fox logo on it. Oh, like um, the the actual Fox, right.
1: not Searchlight Pictures or whatever. Or no, not not Pictures. 20th Century
0: Studios. Right. No. Ugh. Um. So Disney inherited this movie and they're like what the fuck are we gonna do with this and then the pandemic <laughs> yeah. hits and they're like let's put it out in theaters for no one to see yeah and like it was very much dumped by disney after especially being on the shelf like they finished it in like 2017 so it didn't end up coming out till yeah. 2020 so it was definitely a movie that neither fox nor eventually disney knew what to do with it admittingly an incredibly uncommercial movie on like every level
1: and if you watch like the trailers which I, i've seen like since i think it gives you the impression that it's gonna be um sort of this Blumhouse kind of movie.
0: It gave me vibes of, like, The Bye-Bye Man.
1: Yeah, another scary man movie. Um, It is not that in any way.
0: What I like about that movie is it has kind of the trappings of that with some, like, oh, The Legend of the Empty Man. Like, there's a whole sequence mm-hmm. on a bridge where yes. the kids are trying mm-hmm. to, like, dare each other. Like, oh, let's make this happen. And then it's like, oh, no, yeah, The Empty Man is, like, so much more than, like, oh, it's, like, a fantastical dream. It's just like, no, it's a fucking, like, disease that infects you. It is. <laughs> Yes, it this, is. Yeah. And, a, and amazing it, performance also from James Badge Dale, who's a great character yes. actor guy. He's such a great sort of actor to like he's hang an- that movie on. Where he has a bit of an everyman quality, but also that kind of works as like things kind of unravel like his sort of description, particularly there's just a bit, I'll just say, um, involving him sneaking up to a building in the middle of like the woods and some people are outside. Oh and my that moment, God. particularly like the look of like what he's looking at and then when he just says like no and then leaves, it's just, <laughs> like great, amazing stuff, wonderful movie. I would definitely yeah recommend if you have not seen The Empty Man, definitely.
1: Yeah, and there's there's a shot in that sequence when he's like in the woods, it's when he looks up at like the stars, and it yeah. like you know that shot is I yeah one of one of my favorite moments. Um, yeah, I, I also I don't know if you know, but he grew up in San Francisco
0: and shout out to like that one guy doing the weird like um scat talking like hey man what's going on yeah yeah um but like he's this like scraggly dude um who just like he's talking like he's a weird like twin peaks character who just shows yeah. up um and he's one, Oh, shout also steven root is great in that fucking steven root. he has one scene yeah. and he fucking slays it's a great it. scene yeah but yeah solid recommendation and uh,
1: thought plus concentration
0: plus time equals flesh. right. remember that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but my recommendation is another sort of like movie that got kind of dumped only. It got dumped only like about a couple months ago from when we're talking here. I have the 2023 horror film Cobweb. One of the few people saw Cobweb in a the theater. Because it came out Barbenheimer Weekend, everybody. That's why you didn't see it. That's why you didn't hear about it. It got dumped (laughs) Barbenheimer Weekend and then left theaters immediately, which is a shame because this movie, which is about this young kid uh, played by Woody Norman, who you might know from Come On, Come On. Hell yeah. uh, The Phoenix film. um, It's a little kid who gets teased a lot at school and people make fun of him and his teacher's trying to, like, be friendly with him. Just like, oh, what's going on? Let's have a free-form drawing thing. Like, what are you drawing, kid? And he draws, like, himself in a bed and he's surrounded by darkness and it just says help the teacher's like hmm this might be uh, kind of a problem i wonder what this kid's home life's like and so um we follow that kid home and his parents are anthony Starr, a homelander himself um and lizzie Kaplan. it takes place in the modern day but these parents are like very prim and proper and just like oh you can't be you know uh, going out and telling people about what happens here at home because if you do we're gonna put you down in the attic and stuff like that they're like a creepy enough to be kind of like fun in the weird way Where just like lizzie kaplan and anthony Starr are very like kind of just measured enough and over the top to where they're intimidating but still kind of like weirdly fun performances despite the circumstances of this and this kid is like obviously has these abusive parents but the main thing they keep telling him is that like he keeps hearing noises in the walls keeps hearing, like, you know, initially scratches and then a voice, and they're like, hey, don't think about it. Nothing's there. It's probably rats. It's probably just something that's fine. There's nothing in the walls. Spoilers, there's something in the walls. Um, and <laughs> it's a lot of, like, this kid trying to, like, kind of constantly like, what are my parents doing? What are they hiding from me? Uh, but also the, the teacher keeps kind of trying to come in, and there's a lot of great tension that's built throughout this movie. What, what could be in the walls? What are these parents doing? What exactly is going on? And it's a bummer this especially got, like, released in the summer because it's, like, a perfect fall movie. Like, literally, their backyard is a pumpkin patch. <laughs> and they've got, like, little pumpkins they got to, like, get rid of and stuff. There's a whole scene where Anthony starts, like, well, we got to get rid of the pumpkins. Let's dig a hole and put them in there. And it's like, hmm, I wonder if you've done this a lot with things that aren't pumpkins. <laughs> And shit like that. It's um, a director, Samuel Bowden, and it's also it's um, produced by Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen through like their Point Grey oh, Studios. Cool. Uh, but you wouldn't be able to tell because like it's a very muted movie. It has like a great sort of like autumn sheen to it, where things are kind of like decaying almost with it. Ooh, and I'll okay. just I won't spoil too much about what happens with like what this maybe entity in the walls is of sorts. Um, but it's wild. It's crazy. It's weird where, like, it just builds a lot of dread before, and then, dear Lord, does it get gory? It is, like, just, like, buckets and buckets of blood during that climax cool. that we did not expect. Um, yeah, I, I think it's really awesome. I think it got a criminal disservice. So hopefully um, it'll be out there for the spooky season for you to stream uh, and give another chance, because it deserves it, I think. It's a very solid little uh, creepy horror film. Yeah.
1: It's on my list. I've been, uh, yeah, I've been wanting to see it since you... Wait,
0: are you saying you didn't see it? I'm so shocked. <laughs> I'm so shocked that a movie that the only box office reported for this movie is international. They didn't even report any of the American stuff. None of my money that I paid to see Cobweb is on the <laughs> box office take. That is just such a weird... Yeah,
1: I mean, like... Because there, there are horror movies that release in the summer all the time. But that is such a weird one. Like, because, like especially if you're an indie like horror movie, you want that like fall kind of spooky season bump. So it probably would have cleaned up yeah, if it came weird. out
0: like in late September. It oh yeah. It would up. like
1: I'm sure yeah. it would have like done,
0: you know, done something. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. It's on my list. Huh.
0: Yes. Very curious. But, uh, let's repeat our tiles for everybody out there, Brian.
1: Uh, yes. I had the 2020 film, the empty man from Mr.
0: David Pryor. And I had the criminally underseen 2023 horror film from, from director Samuel Bowden, Cobweb. But now we're going to be heading t- toward the end of the show. So we've got to thank some people, including uh, uh, Burial Grid for all our music we use on the show. Purchase this music at burialgrid.com. Uh, thanks to Michelle Kyle for the artwork. Uh, follow her uh, on, as at MishKyle96 on Twitter. And uh, thanks to our patrons over at patreon.com slash cinema number two letter, where for just $1 a month, you all get uh, access to, you know, vote for individual movies we cover, like Skinner Rink*. You all helped us decide that. And then also, you get to hear bonus podcasts. Like, around now, uh, we would have had, you know, audio reviews for stuff like The Creator and Exorcist Believer. And I think the next one we would be doing after that, if there aren't any other sort of bits and bops uh, would be uh, The Killers of the Flower Moon, which should be coming oh. out the week after this drops, which we're very excited Ooh, yeah. about. Hell yeah. Um, a horror film about America, the spookiest place. <laughs> the,
1: it's really the scariest entity of them all.
0: That's true, yes. For sure. Uh, from Mr. Scorsese. Yes. Um, grandpa. At his grandpa. Everyone's grandpa. Um, but yeah, for just that. Uh, and also, you know, we uh, would have already put out our big sort of retrospective on the Friday the 13th franchise. Oh, we're about to put that out? I'm not sure. Uh, timing is weird. Um, and uh, Brian, oh, you haven't seen all of them yet, but that should be a fun discussion, I'm sure. Yep, I'm, wor-
1: I'm working on them. I'm making my way through them.
0: Making your way downtown. <laughs> um, and then also, near the end of the month, we'll have a little thing where um, Brian and I are going to go to a Drive-In and watch a bunch of Universal monster movies, which you also have never seen before
1: either never I've never been to a drive in theater and I've never seen any of those universal monster movies, so yeah, it'd be really really interesting
0: and we'll have actual audio recorded from the drive in inside of my car <laughs> oh. real scary place <laughs> you know you know what I'm talking about um but yes, yeah, so all of that for the one dollar and we really appreciate it helps the show keep going, keeps the lights on and avoid it entities that might be in the dark
1: that's true otherwise we'd have to keep the lights on with a crt tv and that's just not gonna work out
0: <laughs> playing public domain cartoons <laughs> yeah yes um and uh for more of us you can find us on instagram twitter or facebook at cinema number two letter um and uh, you can find me on twitter and letterboxes at not the who's tommy and i also do some writing at both at, at film
1: uh, yes, you can find me on Twitter still, uh, unless unless Elon has started to charge people, in which case I am gone.
0: Uh, in which case all of us are gone. Yeah, we're, we're recording this a bit in advance, so <laughs> if that happens, uh, everyone's gone. And then Elon would be alone in his own skin and house of his own making.
1: Yeah, well, he's actually...
0: Yeah. Like, anyways,
1: I feel like we <sighs> trash Elon every week whenever we do this, but... <laughs> Hot take. He um, deserves it. I don't know. He does deserve it. Not a
0: fan he, of that guy. Hot
1: take. I know. Wait, hold on. Hold on. What? I think he's got some good ideas. Um,
0: great names for his kids, at least. Um. Hello, 2009 era, like <laughs> tech companies. Just like he's got some great ideas. He's the future. Yeah. He's our Tony Stark. He was an Iron Man 2 and everything. God, he was an Iron Man too. Yep. Ugh. Robin shoulders with Tony Stark. Everybody. That's 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 where he is.
1: God. Uh yeah, you can follow me on there though for now at least at uh B R Y A N D R A D E number 3. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at my name. And uh yeah, you can you can come along with me as I watch these Friday the 13th movies and hopefully maybe other horror franchises I'll be watching this spooky season. So
0: yeah. And uh, for more of us, you can subscribe to this channel on uh, Apple Podcasts and other podcasting platforms. Uh, if you're listening on Talk Film Society, you want to listen to all the other great shows that are on the network. And uh, you can also dig into the archives for you know our first season and all the double-edged double-bill stuff over at Podbean. Uh, just all that stuff uh, you can listen to. And, uh, of course, if you can't support us for the $1, it can be tight. We understand. The completely free way to help us out is to rate, review, or simply share the show around to give us more visibility. Especially because our, you know, our voices are very clear, but our faces might not be that visible in the dark. You gotta, like, really look close. (laughs) God. Um, But, yeah, so, uh, we're ending the show, uh, but we gotta tease our next episode. Our E for egregious pick for this season is gonna be Wish Upon, the 2017 film, which I am a big champion of it being a very entertaining bad film, and Brian's not seen it yet, but I'm very curious. I have not how he will react to this little masterpiece. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, Uh, until next time, everybody, keep watching them cartoons. They might save you.
1: Stick a knife in your
0: eye. No, we don't (laughs) condone that. uh, The the, the views of Brian Andrade do not recognize for
1: legal reasons. I um, did not endorse that message.
0: (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>